0: You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song from our study on the gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 to 42. Jesus is having a dialogue with a group of religious people in the first century. Uh, Jesus is Jewish, and there's a bunch of Jewish leaders and religious teachers who are very upset with Jesus because they, uh, they're they jealous, first of all. And uh, Jesus is becoming very popular, and he's doing things that they cannot do, and the people are starting to turn to him. And so they're getting very upset because they're losing respect in their community to Jesus. And who is Jesus? He's not anything to them. He's uneducated. He's from some backwater uh, place. And so they come and they they're they're pretty upset with him. And everything Jesus does, they are like now scrutinizing him and trying to accuse him and trying to catch him doing something that he shouldn't be doing. That's what we're in the middle of right now. And so the G so this is what. Uh, this is where we are. Verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees, these are like religious teachers and religious people, answered Jesus saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, something gr- greater than Solomon is here. Now, there's some, let, let's, let's get catch up on, there's a couple of stories that Jesus mentions in this answer to their their question that we kind of have to know to understand the full context of what Jesus is saying. Because so, first century Jews, if there's one thing they knew it was the Old Testament. They knew the, old, especially Pharisees and scribes. These were the guys who would literally memorize like the entire Old Testament. They were so like obsessed with the laws and the scriptures of the Old Testament. They knew it. You could mention like a line and they would be able to tell you the rest of the chapter just off the top of their heads. They knew the Old Testament scriptures. So when, that's why Jesus can just drop a line about, you know, any Old Testament, like, person and they would know exactly the context of what he's talking about. So the question that they start off with was they're like, all right, Jesus, show us a miracle. Show us a sign. We want to see a sign from you. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to show you a sign. In fact, you guys are evil and you're adulterous. It's like, what the, man, that's really mean. Like they just wanted a sign. They just wanted Jesus to prove. They wanted some more evidence to confirm what Jesus was doing and what he was saying. It doesn't seem like that. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that bad of a request. Right. Um, I mean, don't we ask that all the time? We want God to prove like, is, is this true? Is, you know, like all these things that we're hearing at church, like, how do we know that it's true? We need some evidence. We need something. And uh, Jesus says to these guys, I'm not going to give you a sign. Instead, he accuses them for being super uh, adulterous and evil. And then he talks about Jonah and he talks about this queen of the south. Now, do you guys know the story of Jonah? All right. So that one's a little bit more famous. We know that one. That's the story of an of Old Testament prophet from 700 years before Jesus's time, uh, who was given a message by God. That said, go to these evil, this evil city of Nineveh, which are the enemies of the Jews, and tell them that they're so evil that God is going to destroy them. And then Jonah's like, no. And so he runs away and he goes the opposite way on a boat. And then God gets upset and God sends a storm. And then, like, he gets thrown off the boat. And then Jonah, you know, he sinks in the water. And then a big fish comes, swallows him up, and then spits him out three days later on the shores, uh, on the shores of, you know, Near Nineveh, and then he goes there, and then he he does it. He tells the Ninevites like, "You're gonna die," and then, and then they repent, and then Jonah gets really upset. Okay, so that's the story of Jonah, and then uh, he brings up another figure in the Bible, the Queen of the South, who came. There was a the second. Uh, The third king of Israel was a guy named Solomon. He was David's son, the wisest man who ever lived. This was the guy who, when he first started reigning, God gave him wisdom that rivaled that was rivaled by no one who ever lived. So he was the, the wisest man who ever lived. And his fame, he literally knew all, he could unlock the secrets of all things in the world. So people from all over would hear that there was a man who can explain and had the truth about everything. So people would go. And this there was this queen of Sheba that uh, is from like an area around Ethiopia today who traveled with a huge caravan to go seek. She heard that there was somebody who knew and had wisdom beyond any anyone else and so she went to great lengths to go and listen to true wisdom. So, that's what Jesus is talking about here when he's talking about these two people. So, let's get into why he brings them up and what Jesus is talking about and why Jesus would be so mean to these guys, right? They say Jesus prove prove it. Prove what you say is true by giving some miracles. And Jesus can do whatever he wants, right? But he doesn't and the reason why is because miracles is not the issue. The lack of evidence isn't the issue because if you look at chapter 12, what has Jesus been doing this whole time in this chapter? He's been doing miracles. And every time he does a miracle, they just they don't see the miracle. They just accuse Jesus of other things. So like in the beginning of this chapter, Jesus goes and heals a man who has a crippled hand. And then what do they accuse him? They're like, hey, you can't heal. It's the Sabbath day. That goes against our traditions. You must be bad. And then later, Jesus goes and he casts out demons, evil spirits out of a man. And instead of them going like, wow, you're you're fighting evil. You must be good. They accuse him for being in collusion with the devil. All right. And that's ridiculous, right? And so Jesus is saying, I'm not going to give you any signs because you've already made up your mind. Signs isn't what you need. You asking me for signs and that's the reason that you're not believing is an excuse. The real issue is idolatry. You see, Jesus calls them an evil and adulterous adulteress." Generation. In the Old Testament, whenever God calls people adulterous, he's referring to idolatry. Now, why would God call people adul- adulterous when it's idolatry? Because here's the thing, what is adultery? Adultery is when somebody cheats on someone that they're married. Like when when married people cheat on people, that's adultery, right? And the reason why it's adultery is because a married person makes a covenant with someone else, a holy promise to someone that they will be faithful to this other person exclusively. Now, when someone breaks that covenant by going and being with someone else, then that's adultery. Now, the same thing happened with the people of Israel. The people of God made a covenant with God in Exodus. God said, I will be your God and you'll be my people. Follow and worship me only. This is the 10 commandments, right? And they said, yes. God said, here are my laws. I will protect you, I will be with you, I will bless you, I will deliver you. I'll be your God. I'll be in relationship with you. And they said, absolutely they said yes to Jesus and they made that covenant. And then throughout the rest of the Old Testament, they spent the entire time breaking that covenant and committing adultery with other gods. They would go and worship all the other gods around them. And that's why Jesus calls them an evil and adulterous generation. Because Jesus is like, you're telling me that if you just saw some miracles, you would believe in me? No, that's not The reason, the reason why you don't believe is because you have other gods in your heart. You worship other things. You don't even care about looking for truth. Even Gentiles like the queen of Sheba would go looking for truth. But you, the truth is sitting right in front of you and you don't even listen. You want miracles? I've been doing miracles and you don't care because the only thing you care about is the things you love more than God. And what you love more than God and what these Pharisees and these scribes loved more than God was their position and their power in their society. And they knew that if they they believed in Jesus, they would have to give it all up and they would have to follow him. And so for a lot of us today, we think that the reason why your faith is so weak is because, I don't know, maybe you haven't experienced enough spiritual things. Maybe some of you are going like, you know what? I'll believe in God when he like does something amazing. I heard all these stories about people who started following Jesus and all these miracles that happened. I'll, I'm waiting for my sign. I'm waiting for my miracle. I'm waiting for my like special moment and then I will believe. I'm gonna tell you right now, if you've heard of the gospel message, you know enough to believe and to start following Jesus. You don't need a miracle. See, what these guys were essentially saying to Jesus was they're saying, Jesus, make me believe in you. Give me an, un- an irrefutable sign that will make me believe in you. Give me some sort of evidence that I cannot deny that will make me absolutely have no choice but to believe in you. That's what they're saying. Give us an undeniable, irrefutable sign that proves you are who you say you are. And then, and only then, only once you've given me irrefutable evidence, will I have faith in you. And Jesus says, That I will never do. Jesus, God, will never ever give you irrefutable evidence. Because once he does that, he takes away your choice to believe. Once he does that, he destroys all possibility for faith. Do you guys realize that? I remember when I was younger, like around 8th grade, I I I would pray, I'd be like, God, it would just be so much easier if you would just, yeah, I would ask this, if you would just do a sign, do something in front of me. That's so undeniable that I will know that you are real forever. Like if you could just kind of bust through the ceiling with your finger and just kind of poke your finger through this building and then just kind of leave. Then I'll be like, oh, there's God's finger. There's a hole in the st- ah, There you are, you're real, right? And then I, my faith will be so strong. Cause right now I just don't know. I, I got the Bible and I know you died for me and rose again, but I don't know. I don't know. Right. I don't know. And I just wish, can you just like say something like just one word, just like make a sound. Would you just like a thunderclap, you know, just like right now, you know, like, you know, or you know what I mean? Like, or like God, you say faith to move a mountain, you'll move the mountain. Like, okay. And like you look at the mountain, or like, all right, maybe just a car, you know, like, you know, you just, you try to like do these things you're asking, you want undeniable. And the thing is that God doesn't do that. Why doesn't he do it? Because the moment that he does, he takes away faith. He takes away your choice to believe. You see right now, none of you have any choice, but to believe that I'm standing here right now, right? It doesn't take any faith for you to believe in my existence because I'm literally standing right here. You don't need faith to, to accept and to know and to believe that I'm here. That's not faith. You see, the way God chooses to have a relationship with people is through faith. I don't know why he does, but that's just what he chooses to do. In the Bible, it says we are saved through by grace through faith, right? The only way we can have a relationship with God and receive his grace is through the medium of faith, and faith can only exist when there's room to also not have faith. So God will give you enough evidence, enough information, enough knowledge, but not enough so that you cannot not doubt. Does that make sense? (laughs) Okay. Okay. If that made sense to you, then good. (laughs) The rest of you, that's okay. I know that's like a weird concept to have. Like, why does God do it that way? He does. And so some of you are like, man, if, if, if only, you know, we, and we look at these scribes and the Pharisees and we look at them like, man, you're so dumb. Like Jesus literally like, you know, he's casting out demons in front of you. He's healing people. He's opening the eyes of the blind. He's walking on water. He's doing all this. If I was there, I would totally believe I'd be, I wouldn't be a Pharisee, Right. I want to be demanding for more signs. I would just take whatever he gave you. He's what He just did all these amazing things. Why wouldn't you believe? That's crazy. He's literally there telling you these things. Why wouldn't you listen to him? But here's the thing. Our generation, and Jesus says, like generations in the past, they were given much less than you guys are getting right now in the first century. You guys are literally getting me and seeing my miracles in the flesh and you're still not repenting. These old generations who literally got any, barely got anything but still repented. They're going to judge you. And you know what, the old every generation before us is gonna judge us because we have more, we have more than any other generation in terms of evidence, in terms of clearness of the message. Generations in the past will rise up and judge us because we were given, we are given the most clear gospel than any other generation before us. The Old Testament, they were only given vague promises of the Messiah and people still believed. In the first century, they didn't have a New Testament. They didn't know what was gonna happen. They didn't even have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit yet, yet they believed. People in the first century did not have, they couldn't read. They had to rely on just vague like witnesses of other people who have heard from other people, and they had to believe. People throughout the centuries had to distrust what other people who were literate was able to read from the Bible and then would tell them. And they believed. Us today, all of us are literate. We have accurate copies of the entire scripture from Old Testament to New Testament that has been preserved to us. We have the Bible in more languages, we have the gospel. It, Communicated to us every single week. For some of us, multiple times a week. There's a church on every corner. We have more archaeological evidence that corroborate the events of the Bible. Did you know that the more time goes by, the more we find in archaeology that confirms the things that happened in the Bible? We have more now than we did in the past because we're finding more things and we're finding that these things are accurate. We have more manuscripts that back up the Bible and its accuracy and its validity than any other ancient text in the world. And we find more as time goes on. So as time goes on, we are gathering more knowledge and more evidence that confirm the realities of the scriptures. Did you know that? If you look at our world you see evidence of what jesus did our world is marked by christ you're asking for signs the greatest signs have already happened and we are witnesses we know all of them we have been given the re- the death and the resurrection of jesus and then the church Since the first century, we've seen movements of the Holy Spirit in every single generation up until now. You want miracles? Did you know that there's more miracles happening today than at at probably any other time in human history? There are miracles happening all over the world. Everywhere right now where there are missionaries spreading the gospel to places that it's never been to, there are miracle after miracle after miracles happening. They're happening today. It's just not happening around us because the gospel has already been made known here. Did you know that's what miracles are for? Miracles are for when new revelation is given to people who did not have it. Every time in the Bible, when you see miracles happening like Moses or Elijah or Jesus and the apostles, it's because new revelation from God is being given to humanity. And therefore signs and powers and wonders are given to confirm those new revelations. And so wherever the gospel is going, where it's never been before, it's always followed by signs and power and wonders. That's why my grandmother's generation in Korea, when the gospel first started hitting a lot of those people in, in, in like a couple of generations ago in Korea, they were all met with signs and wonders and power and healing. So in my grandmother's generation in Korea, there were so many miracles. It's crazy. We have still signs today of the power and the presence of God. You need evidence. You need signs. We have more now than we ever have before. But at the end of the day, Jesus says the the only sign that we need is a sign of Jonah. And in the sign of Jonah where Jesus says, Jonah went, he basically died for three days in the belly of a he should have been dead. And then he came back. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go into the earth I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. And that is going to be the sign that I will give this generation for you to believe. The foundation of our faith is Jesus rising from the dead. That's it. And if you, if that's not enough for you to believe in who God is and how much he loves you, and you're waiting until he answers your specific prayer request before you start to follow him, then you will not be a Christian. You will be, I don't know, you'll be something else because you're going to be basing your faith not on Jesus and the resurrection and the cross, but you'll be basing your faith on God answering your prayers. That's not Christianity, right? Or if some crazy miracle happened in your life and then that's why you follow Jesus, then you're basing your faith upon that miracle that happened, not on God and what he did for you on the cross. So you're not a Christian. You're like a, I don't know, you follow miracleism right or if you only if you're waiting for God to answer your prayers then you're following like a religion that is like I don't know prayer requestism but it's not christianity does that make sense so god will only give you enough so that you have the choice whether you want to believe in him based on the death and resurrection of his son jesus and he will not give you anything more to take away the freedom for you to choose because that's what love does. He's too loving. He's not gonna force you to believe. Like imagine if you like, so, like you like somebody, right? And then that person doesn't like you back. I know it's heartbreaking, but then what if you tried to force them to love you? Like you put a, I don't know, you like put a gun to them and you're like, love me, All right? And that person was like, fine, I love you. Is that love? Right? No, that's not. You'd be like, that's really messed up. And someone needs to lock you up, right? You just took away. That's not love. True love cannot be forced. It cannot be something. It has to be a choice. Free love is something that you choose, is freely given. And that's what faith is too. Faith can only be faith when you choose to believe. And that's why God will never make you believe. I know sometimes you'd be like, it'd just be easier, God, if you just made me love you. But he doesn't. Because the love that God wants from us is real. And the love that he has for us is too real. And so God will give us just enough to give you the choice to trust in him or to not. And so this morning, I don't know if there's somebody, someone, some of us in this room waiting for, I don't know, waiting for that miracle, or you're just waiting for God to just make you believe, or you're waiting for more evidence. I'm going to tell you right now, all the evidence that you need has already been given. I mean, if you want more evidence, you literally can just go research and look for it. It's actually all right there. God has given you enough. And what Jesus is telling, what he kept saying, what he said twice was he saying, don't you realize you don't need more signs. One who is greater than Jonah is here. I'm here. I'm already here. One who is greater than Solomon is here. You think you need more knowledge and you don't. I'm here. Everything that you need is here. I'm here. And he's referring to himself. And I'm going to tell you this morning, Jesus is here. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for him to force you? He's not. He's just waiting for you to make the decision. To put away your other gods. Stop making excuses. Stop saying you're going to wait for the miracle. Stop saying you're going to wait for more evidence. Put away your other gods. Jesus is waiting. The greater one is here. So let's choose him. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Han Vision Podcast. We hope you were blessed. Join us next week on... Hân